Hello, everyone. This is the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series. World Series Game 6, instant reaction. Dodgers take the game 3-1 to one and the series. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined by some great guests uh, as we wrap up the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series. Danny Russell, Jamal Wilberg, Darby Robinson. Danny, I'll start with you. Uh, season's over. Dodgers win it in six. How are you feeling? I'm just pretty bummed. it's it's an honor to lose to one of the greatest baseball teams that I've ever been assembled, Uh, particularly that potent offense that couldn't let up. Uh, The Rays put up a fantastic fight. Uh, We started this series saying, wow, if you get swept, it was it was a pleasure being here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Winning the first game makes you think, oh, maybe something's possible. Winning the second game and Brett Phillips just. Uh, having the the time of his life flying around the outfield like an airplane we'll always have that moment that was great um but maybe we peaked a little too soon maybe we went minnesota vikings Uh, and uh uh i don't know we kind of rolled over in this one the offense didn't show up when blake snell did and uh that hurts a lot definitely definitely jamal how you feeling you know, like if you would have if you'd have told me five months ago when we didn't know if we were going to have a season that the Rays would take the Dodgers to six games in the World Series and, and would lose, I would feel really good about it. The part that just stings is this of all games was the one we should have won. This yeah. was the one that wouldn't have been stealing a game. This was the one that against the Dodgers bullpen and Blake Snell throwing what should have been and what is not should have what was one of the greatest postseason world pitching performances we have seen and to only get one run of support from an offense that has been just hitting the ball out the park i don't know if the closed roof has anything to do with this as we think about whether it's this but whatever just getting one run just feels it's like such a letdown when you had such a great performance. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, big, big props to the, to the Dodgers. I mean, the whole, the whole Dodgers, this, like Danny said, this is one of the best teams ever assembled. Andrew Friedman and his entire front office did an amazing job top to bottom. This, this team is incredible. Um, but Dave Roberts tonight, I have to say, he did an amazing job with this bullpen in game. He, he, he did. And I and we're going to talk about some analytics choices later, but he did the most 21st century baseball game. And it's not Kershaw and Bueller just riding those out. It was him making sure that the Rays never saw a single pitch for a, a, a second time. Mm-hmm. Every single pitcher. He bullpened his way to an amazing game. But I, I agree with Jamal. This is super disappointing because the Dodgers bullpen has been their biggest weakness by by far they don't have weaknesses but this was the one this is the one kind of chink in the armor that you could maybe exploit the small achilles heel uh and the rays just the offense just didn't do it they had some chances today they really had an opportunity a golden opportunity in that first inning to to jump out uh randy did it he he set you know now he's making sure that record that single season record is not touchable with 10 home runs but they needed to, you know, Meadows and Lau got on base, and that was the that was the game. Maybe uh, like that that changes the the dominoes change so much. 
but it that can't, single first inning. It can't be the game that that early. <laughs> it's not the game in the first inning. Blake Snell just gave the best outing he's had since 2018. He threw a no-hitter through almost six innings in game two of the World Series and came back and pitched better. Blake Snell did a Charlie Morton dance. Mm-hmm. This was one of, if not the best outing from Blake Snow we've ever seen. He's at 69 pitches through five innings. He comes back out, gives up a one-out single to the number nine hitter on a on a slider that just got too much of the zone. And Kevin Cash pulls him before he goes third time through the order. There is some, uh, some theorizing that maybe the velocity started ticking down, but ticking down, quote-unquote, there is his final pitch was at uh, fastball. His final fastball was at 94 miles an hour whatever Blake Snell was going lights out and Kevin Cash decided to turn the ball over to a guy who'd given up a run in six consecutive outings. Nick Anderson has been freaking broken in the postseason, And I understand that he is the best reliever that the Rays have. But if you (laughs) having experienced every single moment of this postseason, calling a Nick Anderson in that moment is terrifying. Yeah. Now the counterpoint. I'm going to counterpoint myself. I'm going to devil's advocate myself. <laughs> Dang, uh, Darby, I know you were ready. Darby, Darby, who, who, who should, who could have been called in instead of Nick Anderson if you were going to call in some, some Ryan Thompson. Ryan Thompson. So, <laughs> so Ryan freaking Thompson, number there's, 81. There's a few the, choices. The, yeah. the jersey hanging behind Brett Rutherford right now. No. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> I think I actually do think there is a unbelievably ballsy choice of going with Ryan Thompson there to get a ground out. But no, it's, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the three lead horses. It's, it's one of the stallions. It's Anderson, it's Diego, or it's Fairbanks. And it's which, who do you trust the most to, to get yourself out? Right. And cash clearly trusted Anderson. I think uh, having watched the postseason, I would have trusted Fairbanks. I am not, I'm not his biggest advocate. I would have trusted Fairbanks in that moment a lot more. Now, <laughs> counterpoint, Fairbanks gets his opportunity against Mookie Betts, and what happens? Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, Mookie Betts toasted. puts the nail in the coffin. Diego Castillo would have been my choice. Um, this was... Safe choice there, Brad, choosing the one guy that didn't get to pitch and give up a home <laughs> run today. <laughs> this was the highest leverage situation of the season. Game six of the World Series... The Dodgers have the tying run on first base, and their next three hitters up are Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, and Justin Turner. One of those players is an actual MVP player. The other two are World Series MVP candidates while this game was being played. I don't even know if they've named the World Series MVP yet. He might be quarantining right now. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, But Diego Castillo would have been the guy I went to. And at the end of the day... We'll never know what happens if Kevin Cash had went to another pitcher. We'll never know what would have happened if he let Blake Snell in the game. And I do want to say, and I because I think we're all, the people on this podcast right now are all pretty much in agreement that we're fine. It hurts, but we were fine with the decision to pull Snell. With that being said, that doesn't mean it was the right decision. And I, and I want to make sure, because there's a lot of people upset right now, Rays fans, baseball fans, people that just randomly landed on on Fox tonight on their TVs. And I think there's an argument to be made there that pulling Blake Snell in that situation was the wrong move. Like Danny said, this might have been one of the best pitching performances against one of the best teams that Blake Snell has ever faced. And even after giving up 
that single to Austin Barnes. There was only one other time where they hit the ball hard off of him, and it was the line out to Joey Wendell. Chris Taylor had a base hit, but it wasn't a laser. I don't know what the exit velo was. But Blake uh, and I Snell, mean, great, great snag by Joey Wendell. Amazing. I mean, fantastic He's done it time and time again. Um, but Blake Snell was cruising, and I don't use that word a whole lot, but Blake Snell was cruising. Not only was he racking up strikeouts, he was doing so at a relatively low pitch count for, for that number of strikeouts, and he limited the walk. He didn't walk a single batter all night, something that we're not used to seeing from Blake Snell. So I just want to make sure. I mean, se- second pitcher ever to strike out nine hitters in the World Series right. uh, in four innings. Like, right. this was an historic performance from Blake Snell, and I would say both the casual fan and uh, the majority of analytically-minded fans look at Blake Snell getting pulled after two types of the order and think that's some galaxy brain nonsense. But it also uh, might not be. It might not have been an analytically-charged decision. Well, I mean, so uh, from what we have from the tweets, we're reacting in real time. The tweets say Cash regrets the decision but didn't want Snell to face the third time through the order. He regrets it because that's- it didn't work out. And he said he trusted the process there, and that's what we said. And Darby, I think you and I have had this discussion a lot. Managers make a lot of decisions throughout the course of the season. Sometimes they're going to make bad decisions that result in good outcomes. Sometimes they're going to make great decisions that result in bad outcomes. And it's really hard to figure out what happened when you don't know what the other side of the coin was. But the decision, it, it, yes, the, 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 the analytics and the numbers are, are getting a huge hit right now, which again, is ridiculous, and that's a whole nother podcast. But the decision to pull Blake Snell, this is something that in game one, when Kevin Cash left Tyler Glasnow out there for 112 pitches, and it was against the the norm of what we're used to out of Kevin Cash, on this very podcast, we criticized him for not doing what he would normally do, not doing what got the raise to this point. And doing what he did with Blake Snell tonight is exactly par for the course. It's exactly the reason that the Rays were 40-20, and 20, had the best record in the American League in the regular season, and won the American League pennant. I wouldn't want to see anything else happen in the biggest game of the season. This is a, a situation where there it's a, it's, a, it's a Kobayashi Maru, right, for the Star Trek fans out there. This is a no-win scenario because you are basically – you have but Kevin Cash did the choice that is the harder decision. Right. He can just say, you know what, Blake, I know in my head and go against his gut in a way I feel like this is almost a gut decision. He's saying like, I'm going to take the hit. I know this is not going to be popular. However, I know what Mookie Betts has done against Blake Snell for his career. I know what Mookie Betts has done against lefties for his career. Yes. This shortened season, Mookie is not hitting lefties. Yes. In the series, Mookie's 0 for 4 against Snell. But like, you know, Sarah said today, Mookie Betts is almost perfectly uh, engineered to destroy a pitcher like Snell who relies on high fastballs and and, uh, back foot uh, sliders. Mm -hmm. That situation, a third time through, yes, he struck out the first two times. This is an opportunity where it doesn't matter what you did before. You just need one at bat. And seeing a guy the third time through is a huge boost for the batter. And Mookie Betts is one of the best hitters on earth and so in this situation the easy choice is to leave Blake Snell who is shoving right you you just say you know what fine and then if he gives up the home run you go hey whatever he was shoving Smoltz and and everybody else said you know what that's fine Kevin Cash you didn't you did the right choice you trusted your gut but he wouldn't have trusted his gut 
he would have gone to bed knowing I could have put my team in a chance to win. I could have used mm -hmm. my bullets the right way. I could have done the smallest chance move to give my team a chance. And I know I didn't choose to do that. And I didn't trust my gut. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I, when I hear it's, it's a gut decision, I just don't agree. And I agree overall, the decision to, to pull Snell is get to the third time through. The only thing that I would say differently, and a lot of this is hindsight, so not sure I would have made this decision in the moment, is Mookie Betts has struggled against lefties. And of all the pitchers that you have available, which in, in at that moment, at that time, who do you trust more uh, up against Betts the way that the game had gone? It's, it's a stretch, but perhaps that's that's an opportunity there to, to get it through, but still you had to trust that the outs were going to come. And I think that this is, we go back to game, the, the final game of the ALCS and Charlie Morton had to shut out and, and gets pulled early and, and Blake in game two, this is, this is what the Rays are going to do. And I think it's very easy that this is the last game of the season. And, and we saw what the outcome wound up being, but we also have to remember that's how this team got to the game six of the world series again. And it's, it's easy to, yeah. Thursday morning quarterback or Wednesday morning quarterback, whatever tomorrow is, um, and, and go through all these items. But overall, just phenomenal game by Blake, and it's just really uh, just disappointing what the outcome is. You're never going to win this game. Anderson's outing, Anderson's outing also felt just, I don't know, so weird. I, I know that Anderson has been fairly broken through six outings, and this being yeah. uh, the seventh out of those broken outings. The first one is – uh, what looks like a foul ball that stays fair and then it bounces off the netting and then just dies right there. Credit to Willie Adamas for sliding in to, to field the play. Um, it was in no man's land in foul territory and he went and got that baseball. So thanks Willie. Appreciate it. And then pitching to Seager, he gets a curve ball, uh, whiff or breaking ball whiff. great falls it up with another breaking ball spikes it. We've seen Mike Zanino uh, block baseballs like his life depended on it all postseason. This one, he didn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I astounding that this is the one that gets away. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it reinforces a bad narrative about Mike Zanino's defense. And I'm sad that uh, this game six might be what sticks in the minds of fans after how well he's defended the entire postseason. But the runner scores mm -hmm. uh, brings up Seeger uh, or, uh, well, the, the idea that Seeger could have been walked in that scenario. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying with the two men on, um, you know, if you walk Seeger and go for the ground ball, maybe if you have a ground ball pitcher on Brett, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's an opportunity. I didn't like pitching to Seeger generally. Um, yeah. But also uh, he hits into a, a fielder's choice. Right. And just a little bit too weak. Just a little and, bit too weak. If that's sharper, Choi maybe has a play, but it's... it's well, if, if it's not Mookie Betts running, maybe he has a play too. If you don't spike that curveball, and that's not Mookie Betts at third base, maybe you do get the out at home. Probably get but you called an Anderson, and you kind of get what you asked for when you're calling in a guy that has struggled hard the entire postseason. I'm sorry. I just did nothing about calling an Anderson in that moment felt right beforehand or feels right after. And my, my, I know my mother always says hindsight is 50-50. So uh, I, I know that we have the benefit of being on the other side of it. But yeah. I don't know 
what was going on behind the scenes to say, yeah, the last six outings from Nick Anderson, just ignore all of those. He'll be fine. I will say this. I think there are two, the two arguments are, are interesting. One is more interesting than the other. One is, do you, do you go with Snell third time through or do you go with the bullpen? And the other is, yes, you don't want to have Snell face Mookie a third time, but is it Anderson? Is it Castillo? Is it Ryan Sheriff? Is it like, who, who is the guy? And I think that's a more interesting thing because I think process wise, I do think cash would really, 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 really hate himself knowing like, I know the numbers. I know what Mookie can do. And if I see Mookie hit a home run here to go two to one, knowing how bad this Rays offense has been struggling, he wouldn't be able to live with himself. Now I do think Nick Anderson he has not inspired any confidence, but unfortunately we also saw Pete Fairbanks gave up a monster home run to Mookie and we've seen Diego kind of implode. I think the, the, where it comes a no win scenario is that the staple did not do enough theories. They just did not. You know, Nick what makes Anderson, fun? yeah. Well, Joel, what's up? You know, what makes this fun? Yeah. Is we know what happened. So if, <laughs> if, if Snell stays in, and Mookie launches a home run off of him, and we still get to two one, at, or or Mookie launches a home run, we get to one, and another run scores. We come on this podcast with a loss, and our conversation becomes, "Why did Cash leave him in the third time?" <laughs> so that the fun part about this is, we'll get to debate what we will never find out, which is what would have happened if the decision isn't made. But I do think, Darby, to your point, what is interesting though is. What were the other options? If, if we take the Leaf Snell in off yeah. the table, what were the other options to bring people in? And, and what, what could those possibly have, have provided us? And, and Corey Seager is your World Series MVP. Okay. So that yeah. uh, his... Uh, really? Mer- the American Randy Rosarina. <laughs> well, Corey Seager? Yeah. I mean, I mean well, there was, was one the guy they couldn't bring out there. Well. They couldn't bring. There's one guy they couldn't bring out there to present the trophy to. We'll talk about well, that in one second. Why would you give it to Kershaw? I, well, who cares? Um, I got one more thing. Nick Anderson was going to have to get out at some point in this game, whether it was the fifth inning, sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth. If the Rays wanted to win this game, they were going to have to use Nick Anderson. He wasn't going to get left on the bullpen. Get left in the bullpen. Today so, and tomorrow, like if you're right. going to win the World Series, you're going to need Nick Anderson pretty much twice. And Nick Anderson gave up one hit. Yeah. Give up one hit to, to, to not Mookie like Betts. Not even like a. It's tough, right? To it's Mookie like a, Betts. It's really tough. This is the world we live in. This is the reality. Like like Jamal said, this is the universe we live in. If we could just like peer through the curtain into the multiple other universes and see, maybe it's Snell gives up a two-run home run to Mookie Betts, and then mm-hmm. Fairbanks gives up one in the other one, and then Ryan Thompson actually pitches the last whole four <laughs> innings and like dominates, and they're like, "Whoa, look at this universe." Uh, like that's the thing we, we don't know we have no idea we'll never know and nobody out there on Twitter knows I just want yeah. you to know as confident as you are you do not know that's that's not what they the sound like thing, though Darby <laughs> this whole game came down to two lucky bounces and again we're here because of two unlucky bounces that got us that extended you, the game but it's one lucky bounce against a wall that's in an interesting place because some architect thought it was aesthetically pleasing and then uh you know a lucky bounce that gets away from zanino two lucky 
bounces is the difference in this game. I mean, we're also sitting here uh, talking about this because Mike Brasso and uh, and Willie Adamas took a fastball down the freaking middle in the ninth inning. So ninth inning comebacks in the World Series decided games never happen. It, uh, they always added strikeouts too. <laughs> it's the way it goes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's that, but it's also it's also Willie not making contact at all today. It's right. it's Meadows. Uh, you know, he he got a great hit in the first inning against Gonsolin, and then you know, grounder into the shift, three pitch strikeout. Lau got a good walk in the first inning, then strikeouts. Uh, it was Margot not being able to really get anything Brand, going. Brandon Lau, I'm so excited for Brandon Lau to have the uh, off season to consider um, how to hit a breaking ball in a two strike count. Uh, I mean, I, I would love for lefty, him. I would love. Lefty, I would, I mean, I would love to him to consider what happens when you get a breaking ball with two strikes. I mean, who can hit a breaking ball with a two strike count? I. I don't know. I'm just still trying to figure out how Willie makes his way to the plate. I mean, whether it's Susugo or somebody else, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's it's the ninth inning of the elimination game of the World Series. I, I I'll f- figure the defense out if you need it later. Right. But I think a different bat in that in that situation for the final out also would have been much more uh, inspiring than watching the the game just end right there belt high so i the ninth inning i i i yeah that's that's pretty rough but honestly i think for me the bigger the bigger cash considerations the bigger second choice for cash is uh leaving austin meadows in because this lineup the way it's it, the way it was set up which i actually did like it before the game so i am not gonna say that like oh this lineup didn't i like the lineup before the game i love g-man Choi, the the biggest uh, leadoff hitter in world in postseason history, right? It was it was uh, Benny Agbayani was the last uh, thickest boy to be in there, but it's Choi now. He has it, and Choi worked a, a really good at bat later on. It got Randy to the plate, um, but the thing is that the bigger choice for Cash was you had Meadows, Lau, then Margot, then Wendell, and then you had Willie. Mm-hmm. That lineup gave Dave Roberts every lefty to just mow right through. Margo's the only guy in that that lineup that can maybe hurt a lefty. Willie was lost at the plate. Uh, Wendell, Lau, and Meadows all have a huge platoon split. And so you really are stuck where the way it was set up, we talked about this uh, where Cash was able to get Dave Roberts with the with a lefty block. This was the, the problem. And do you go with, Meadows was the DH. Do you go with Yandy Diaz earlier? Who has worked some really good at bats? He can draw a walk against the righties and he can destroy lefties. Do you go to that earlier? He saved him for a moment, but it was still it was two outs and a runner at first. It it was a mm-hmm. tough moment. So I I almost wonder if that was the call because yeah the ninth they they were down by two but there was the the game was there when Snell was shoving and was still just one mm-hmm. and you knew that with one run that third time through the order was coming up and you just had to worry. So it was like, if you can get a few runs, there was a chance in the first, there was a chance in the second, there was a chance in the fourth. If you could just get a few runs, you can get some people on base, you can get something going. Maybe you have that. They couldn't do it against Wood. They couldn't do it against uh, Urias and uh, end of the game. They, they got shut down by Gonzalez. And it was again and again, the middle of that order. It was Austin Meadows not being able to get anything done against the lefty. It was Lau not being able to 
get anything done against the lefty. It was Margot a little overhyped. It was Wendell with the platoon, and then it was Willie. It was a really tough lineup that you might be maybe needed to shake up earlier in the game. And I got to agree, Darby, because if the offense can't show up, Blake Snell could have at least pitched the greatest game of his career. That could have helped. Oh, wait. No, he definitely did. <laughs> and Kevin Cash pulled him. Yeah. Do, Danny, is Blake Snell going nine innings against the Los Angeles Dodgers four times through the order and keeping it a one-run game? Is that what I just said? I'm just is saying, that what I just that's the third that's time. That's what I think we need. We're needed. talking that's about him I staying in for the third. I'm getting feisty. The third <laughs> time through the order. Brett requested a calm podcast is <laughs> not that. an insurmountable challenge when you no. are pitching the greatest game of your life, leaving Tyler glass. I went for 112 pitches when he's struggling is different from leaving Blake effing Snell, a Cy Young winner in mm -hmm. when all of his pitches are working and yeah. not even the whole third time through the order. Just the part that I, that I really question more is just one more batter. Mm -hmm. You know, if he just gets to face Mookie and and it ends there, right? So you you've you've got you've got Barnes on right, and and you've got Mookie and and Mookie just looked lost against Snell. Do you give him that opportunity at least get there, and then if he gets on base or if he even if he gets him out, if you pull him at that point, no matter what, after Mookie, I think there's there's a play. So again, I I don't think he was staying in the whole third time uh, through. Mookie bets against Blake Snell in the World Series is five plate appearances, four strikeouts, and a walk. Mookie no. is still the, uh, and Darby mentioned it earlier, we love to talk about lefty mashers on this podcast, Yandy Diaz, Jose Martinez, we hardly knew you. Uh, but Mookie bets, when they have the lefty masher convention, guys like Yandy Diaz and Jose Martinez are getting Mookie Betts' coffee. That is, over his entire career, what Mookie Betts does. And yes, I know Blake Snell looked great, but I don't know. We'll never know. I personally. So I think that's a fair, I think it's a totally fair choice, uh, Danny. I think you, you and, and, and Jamal, I think like going against Mookie again, you go like, hey, you trust your gut. You go, all right, this is maybe not the best choice. Let's go Mookie and Seager. Uh, if Mookie gets on, you then have Seager and you have a really tough call there, but you go, okay, I'll go with this. And then for Turner, who again, we have to talk about next. Uh, you then bring in Anderson or Fairbanks or Diego. I think that's a fine choice. I think it still comes down to this offense got one run and it had some options early, but then after that, it was really, really struggling against a lot of beatable pitchers. And for me, yes, Snell, maybe he gets through that inning, but if you cannot get more than one run in a World Series game, you just do not deserve to win that game. You're gonna need you're gonna need Anderson and and Fairbanks and somebody to be able to pitch lights out after Snell too. And it's maybe you get maybe maybe it changes, but I I just I look at the offense and I still think that to me the last two games I think were very winnable games. Uh, Kershaw w is great, but they still had the a chance against him and against the bullpen. And I saw the Rays score three runs mm -hmm. in 18 innings. The Rays the, that's, really that's a stood a chance. They stood a chance last night. They stood a chance tonight. And I think that's why this hurts. The most interesting stat, in my opinion, one of those, you know, useless, take these things that have nothing to do with each other and throw them together. Tonight, the Rays scored as many runs as the Dodgers 
had players get pulled for positive COVID tests during the game. <laughs> I love how you pivoted. That, Number that one. A beautiful what segue. What a segue. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> yes. Yes. By so the way, that, that could go up. Let's, let's talk about that now. Because if the Rays had won tonight, game seven was not going to be tomorrow. I honestly don't know what would have happened. Justin Turner, test positive for COVID-19. And the results, we're assuming, were found out during the game. Justin Turner is then pulled from the game. Joe Buck was confused. They brought in Edwin Rios, who, compared to Justin Turner, is like bringing me in to play third base. Uh, Joe Buck was like, I don't think there was an injury. I don't know what the, the, like, it's not a pinch hit. And come to find out, Justin Turner tests positive for COVID-19 in what was supposed to be a bubble. The biggest question mark about the bubble was that it wasn't really a bubble and that teams were still traveling. The Rays were in San Diego a week and a half ago. The Dodgers, however, have been in Arlington for like three weeks now. And there's a, a positive test. We don't know if what, how many players could be infected. Um, but there would not have been a Game 7 tomorrow. And I'm a little... I don't know. I don't know how to feel about the game still continuing, knowing that there was a positive test between a group of players and coaching staff and other personnel that have been a lot closer to this team. Now that you have 11,000 fans in the stadium, how the game continued. Obviously, it was World Series Game 6, but... I don't know. I'm, I'm going to read it. Go ahead, Jamal. I'm just going to read a tweet from, from Jeff Passing because I think it, it'll start some questions. In the second inning tonight, the lab doing COVID tests informed MLB that Justin Turner's test from yesterday came back inconclusive. The samples from today what? had just arrived and were run. It showed up positive. The league immediately called the Dodgers and said to pull Turner. There's There's so many questions to that, you know, it was with safety in mind and why we were doing having a bubble. If a test is back inconclusive, should he have even been eligible to be in the lineup to begin with until you get a, a confirmed negative? And then two, do you even continue the game at that point? Like forget about game seven. Right. Once you realize that there was a player with a positive COVID test actively on the field in a world series with fans in the stands, where do you even continue from that point? With with also, by the way, family is there. Mm -hmm. Turner is interacting with his family. That family is interacting with other family. They're in the stands. Mm -hmm. What are you doing, MLB? You, you, you had it right at the end. You, you Daniel Jones did. You, you, you Randy Rosarain did it, except for you didn't recover because you don't have the, oh my God. You have a, you have a guy who's batting third in the World Series that has a inconclusive test for the virus that has shut down the entire planet. And the reason why you only played 60 games in the regular season, the reason you're in Texas, the reason, this is horrible. The thing that doesn't make sense to me here is rapid testing is available. And yeah. MLB and its billions of dollars can afford to buy rapid testing machines. You can afford to buy rapid testing machines for every single individual within the bubble. And it only takes 15 minutes to run a single test. Now, maybe you rotate people through. Maybe it's one machine per four people, but it's 15 minutes for a result mm -hmm. per person. 
You're telling me you don't have that on site? The freaking Quickie Mart down the street from me has that available. (laughs) Why are they not rapid testing players before the game? That, I mean, that's that's, that's awful. (laughs) Why was the guy with the positive COVID test in the game longer than the pitcher with a shutout? <laughs> Too soon? Uh, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um, mm. That's incredible. He, and by the way, Turner, he flew out. He was the hardest contact against Anderson, flew out to the wall, but it was way, way high up there. What if that was the game? What, what, if, what if Anderson or Snell or whoever gets Mookie out and the next inning up, it's Turner yeah, uh, who hits the home run that ties the game or that's, I mean, but that's that's what that's what Rob Manfred. No, no. So that's that's okay. That didn't happen. Rob Manfred got lucky. We're talking about process versus results. That's a result that he got really lucky because he would have had somebody infectious on the field winning a game in the World Series, just absolutely flaunting how much of a failure that bubble was. It's not what happened. He's going to get lucky, but I don't think he should get lucky for this. This is a failure on Rob Manfred and MLB. Period. This isn't, isn't why the Rays lost the game, right? This isn't why they lost. But this is a overall. This is a. This is not Rays versus Dodgers. This is. This is overall. What are you doing? I mean, I, on on a on a more human aspect of it, though, you gotta imagine this is what you play your whole life for, right? Is to win a World Series. Yeah. And you know now you've got a guy that's done that that can't even celebrate with his team. You know, everyone oh. else gets to be out on the field, gets to gets to share in that moment, um, and in in late in the game, I think it was the seventh inning, if I remember correctly, right? He gets pulled, and he came and celebrate that. So even just from the human side, that's a very just something we didn't think we'd have to talk about with all the precautions and everything that was in place. And you've been in that same city for three weeks. You weren't part of the the traveling, but yeah. I mean, he was very close and maybe deserved the World Series MVP. He had a case. He I had mean, a real case. It was between him, Seager, and then, and then Kershaw probably had a case there too. Yeah. Um, but I, looking back at this, and, and Kevin Cash is <laughs> going to win American League Manager of the Year in a couple of weeks. Um, won American League pennant. And I look at this. First season of a new decade. Uh you look at some previous decades, the 50s, you had the Dodgers and the Yankees. The 90s, you had the Yankees and the Braves. Teams that always seem to be on a collision course to meet in the World Series or at least have a chance to be there. I'm looking at, at the way these two teams played this season, the way these two teams are set up to play for the next decade, and it would not shock me if we get a World Series rematch in the next 10 years, probably sooner. So, again, this is not the post-mortem yet of the season. We'll probably do one of those. We'll break. We'll get ready for the offseason. This is still a Game 6 instant reaction. But after the emotions of everything that I was reading on Twitter and discussing with family and friends and people on our Slack chat about the decision to pull Blake Snell, watching that ninth inning go the way I thought it was going to go um, quietly into the night uh, and the Dodgers celebrate that, that World Series title, um, I, I don't know. It, I kind of had a, a, a grin on my face. Not Not a... Not like a like a snarky grin. It was kind of just a smile and a toast to the season. That's why I've got the whiskey on the podcast tonight. Um, one more toast, Randy Arozarena, for sure. The greatest off season, not off season, postseason, postseason performance, uh, maybe in the history of the game. Ten home runs, like twenty nine hits, I think, 
Don't quote me on that. Did he hit 30? And would have been been the World Series MVP if the Rays had pulled it out. So, Randy Rosarena, a rookie who could break all of these rookie records next season when the Rays are back. Um, Here's to you. And really excited to see you play left field for the foreseeable future. And the yeah, breakout I mean, star of the postseason, like I like the, he he went from nobody knows who he is to being on the cover of every single piece of media that was around Fox, MLB, ESPN, uh, everything. Rays or not, it was Randy, 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 Randy. Like this guy was the breakout star, like an absolute face of the Rays immediately, and that's incredible. Like he he was a guy that missed the start of the season with with a COVID-19 test. He uh, had to, to quarantine, and then he comes up and is really good in the little bit of a flash of what could come, and then the postseason absolutely took uh, the, the kind of the majors in the world by storm. He's he's the star, and and, and it's it's going to be exciting. You know, how many rookies have an opportunity to play in the league championship series three times as a rookie? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's it's incredible. And you know, before the game, I saw a tweet uh, that mentioned that his agent has already spoken with a production company about a movie following his journey <laughs> from Cuba to Mexico to the I U.S. And you know, World Series home runs to end it. It's good. It's, it's awesome. And you know this. There's a lot to be excited about, and again, if we if we started this season and said we would have someone hit ten home runs in the postseason on our team, uh, definitely would have seen that. The, if the Rays have a hitter like that, so it's it's really you know, I think exciting. And without Randy or Rosarina, there is no Rays in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just hats to him, cheers to him. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. And really, though, you bring up a great point, Jamal, without Randy Rosarain in in his performance. You can look at every player up and down the roster, and this is maybe a little cliche, um, but because of the playoff format with no off days, every pitcher, every player off the bench played a role in this team getting to the World Series. You can point at specific moments. um, My guys, Ryan Thompson, um, Shane McClanahan, uh, Michael Perez gave Zanino a day off. Mike Zanino played great. Willie Adamas played great defense. Uh, again, I don't. Kevin Cash made some great managerial decisions throughout October. And Until. <laughs> again, made some great managerial decisions throughout October. I'll leave it at that. Um, to get to the Game 6 of the World Series. To get closer than 28 other teams to that piece of metal that the commissioner just handed out uh, is incredible. And although I'm not trying to raise a banner for finishing second uh, in the World Series, uh, um, what, a, what a season, what a month. This has been a grind. Uh, doing these podcasts have been incredibly fun. I was hoping to get one more deciding game where we have literally the entire site on the Zoom. But uh, I'm glad that I you know, get joined by you guys tonight and get to cap off a great season. Thinking about Kevin Cash's decisions, um, still, there's, <laughs> well, yeah, because you you brought it up. Yeah, there's there's two that stand out most in my mind, and it's the pitcher he trusted and the pitcher he didn't. The pitcher he trusted was Tyler Glass. Now, 
And that was the outing in which he went 112 pitches in the first game. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and he concludes the World Series, I think, with like a 13 ERA in the postseason. Yeah. Uh, You know, the game got away from the Rays. A couple of those Rays, uh, or a couple of those runs allowed shouldn't have been happening at all. But baffling decision there to leave Glasnow in when he didn't have it baffling decision to pull snow when he did and i uh i think we galaxy brained this world series a little bit too much and i can't help but think that uh any other way i'm looking at the postseason comments on twitter or postseason post game it's it's been a weird night right um i I just don't feel that way i mean well yeah i mean we can let's let's talk through it like i okay what going? We're going to go back to the the Snell decision, and besides the positive COVID test, that is going to be the lasting taste in our mouths, probably until the Rays win a World Series, <laughs> which is really difficult to say right now. But personally, if I were managing the Rays, I probably would have left Snell in. I think a lot of people would. Uh, I think a lot of other major league managers would. I've said it time and time again. I would have left Charlie Morton in Game Seven of the ALCS. I'm glad that I have a manager and a pitching coach and a bench coach and every other person that goes into making that decision to make that call because look how far the Rays have gotten because of it. Blake Snell said in his postgame, and I want to give him credit as well. You saw how animated he was when he was pulled from the game. I love seeing that. You want a guy in there to get those outs. You want him to be in that game. He said, Cash is usually right. Cash is the reason we got here. And so again, I'm glad that I've got a guy like Kevin Cash that can, that can, not pull a buck show Walter, and that's the opposite end of the spectrum with the Zach Britton decision. And it's not this decision was nothing like that, but that can stick to his guns, do what has done. I'm stumbling over my words. I'm, I'm well, if, if so, Snell also then said, if uh, although he believed in himself to get those outs, right? If Anderson gets the outs, no one's talking about this moment the same way no one criticizes game seven of the ALCS because the Rays won. But the results yeah. in this moment matter. Gosh darn it. This is also frustrating because the Rays were so close. And I, I also agree, Darby, with your uh, with your balanced analysis that uh, when the Rays offense just rolls over, that um, dissecting a pitching change for your best reliever is a really weird thing to – or a very strange hill to die on perhaps. Um you know, it just sucks to hear Kevin Crash say, "Crash, <laughs> I'm crashing." It, it sucks to hear Kevin Cash say that he regrets the decision. It sucks to hear Snell say that he did everything he could to stay in the game, and that he believed in himself to get those outs. It sucks to uh, see on Twitter that Nick Anderson is saying uh, he didn't feel as good as I'd have liked to, and that he was running out of gas. Like, what the f are you doing in the game, dude? Yeah, that I think that if the decision to bring Anderson should be if there's a decision that needs to be vilified here it's that one i do want to go back i was thinking about this as the game unfolded and the the first thing that i saw on twitter was people knocking uh, the analytics and again they're pretending like the dodgers and the yankees and all these other teams the rays have beaten or competed with aren't some of the most analytically driven teams in major league baseball but this decision and what happened in this game like I tweeted it out kind of in jest, but also pretty seriously. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Again, another stupid cliche. But the decision to pull Snell in that moment 
was so dramatic, was so tough on Kevin Cash. I know it was tough on him. So again, that, Look, the, when you have that moment to pull, is huge. Uh, your Cy Young winner throwing the best game of his life at 73 pitches, you do it. Yeah, ask Dave Roberts. He did it twice with Kershaw. Jamal, you, like, um, so that's, Jamal, so that's the big Jamal, key. Jamal, oh, yeah. Jamal, okay. Jamal. What are you thinking? I'm still, so my mind's in a different spot. I'm still on two bounces. Just still, I mean, all these changes that we're talking about, right? Game four, it's two bounces that <laughs> make a game six even possible and, and two bounces of a ball uh, in, in game six. And we, we're going to question, like, we're, we're talking about pulling a pitcher in game six of the World Series because a ball bounced off a wall and Willie Adamas had to go in his slide and get it. And, and you know, one, I, f- I forgot, I think I was reading that was the only like wild pitch or something like that, that the race have given up a run on all season. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's just, it balanced out. Look, we got one in, in game four and, and, and it bounces out in game six. I think it's, it's hard. Like you'd, you'd really, the team, the, the Rays lost again. If we, if they win this game, that's just a bullet point that we're talking about because also if they win this game we're probably spending a lot more time talking about how different it feels to lead after the first inning with a single with a with a one run home run versus trailing in the first inning with a one run home run there's so many other things in the game that we talk about differently because of the outcome i also want to just say with this this is I, i mentioned dave roberts right dave roberts is on the Rays. he's making this exact same call and I know that because in game in game five, you have Clayton Kershaw at five and two thirds innings, and he had two pitches, two weak outs. He's at 85 pitches with a one run game, and he turns the ball over to Dustin May. Mm-hmm. They're Nick Anderson, really. Best stuff has been dominant all season, but then in the postseason has been really struggling. Mm-hmm. That's the exact same call. It is the exact same call because you have uh, but it, but in a different way because it's like it's it's the Rays' offensive versus Mookie Betts and Corey Seager. It's it's a little bit easier, but even more kind of baffling. So I get why that choice is is bold because you have Clayton Kershaw, Hall of Famer, Cy Young winner multiple times, who's who's kind of starting to carve up the Rays with a one run lead. He is starting to put them away right. again and again and again. Clayton and Kershaw was getting Dustin better May. throughout that start. He- and you go to Dustin May, who the last time we saw him was giving up laser after laser after laser after laser that is a huge choice and the dodgers won and kevin cash just saw that and this is why these two teams are very analytically driven analytically driven and you saw what that happens now i will i do have to say like the the choices the rays have made the 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 chess moves that they have made and the plays that they've made is why you even have this luxury of talking about this against the dodgers I mean, look at that lineup. Look at the lineup and how they performed this postseason. Look at the lineup in the World Series. The pitching, the starting pitching, the bullpen, which is a little bit worse than the Rays, the starting pitching, which is a lot better than the Rays starting pitching, the lineup, which produced a lot more hard hits, a lot more runs, a lot more walks, a lot more extra base hits, not as many home runs, but they were they were just, they were, this should not have been a six game series, but the Rays maximize every possible opportunity they had until maybe game six. This is when, and, and game five to an extent, but the, the, the max, they, they couldn't quite get, they couldn't quite squeeze enough 
juice out of this orange to, to get them to that game seven and to maybe beyond. But they got this close against a team that is top to bottom the best offense and best pitching in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. And they performed that way in the World Series. And the Rays still push them to the limit. So yeah, this I this was an impressive performance by the team. And it sucks really hard that the biggest thing is going to come down to a, a coin flip choice that we are saying that yes, no, and that's all it comes down to because they really got so far on a lineup that had Lau and Meadows and Willie, like key contributors just do nothing wait, wait, wait. You just, large you just listed three people who sucked this post-season. That's what he said. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is that like, they let's went- Let's think about it though. Like, we that's the thing is they went the... all this way with, with Randy Rosarena being the only, only, only consistent part of this lineup. Yeah, Margot did some good stuff too, but you had- this entire lineup had so many holes with guys that really needed to contribute. And they, you know, Lau got it in one game that we really needed him, but like this did not happen because they had a whole lineup filled with holes that just didn't perform at this time. They had a lot of guys slumping at the, just the wrong time. Mike Zanino uh, in game six of the world series gets his first hit of the world series, which ouch number one, but thank you for getting your hit, Mike. Um, (laughs) Consider all of the outs that happen after that. Working off a of memory here, um, there's uh, Yandy Diaz gets called in off the bench, and he takes a fastball that painted the black. End of inning. Ouch. Right. Uh, what happens after that? Uh, Randy Rosarena hits a very sharp line drive to center field. Cody Bellinger is perfectly. Uh, placed defensively to track that down. Uh, can't get mad about that. Hunter Renfro is the next guy you call upon. He grounds out. That's expected. Brandon Lau learns that there's more pitches than just a fastball. He strikes out. Uh, you come back around. Manuel Margot hits a can of corn to right field. He's out. And then uh, you take two fastballs down the uh, down the middle. It's it's over. Like this Rays offense was not up to the challenge. And this is a team built on pitching and defense and the Rays could not answer the call when it mattered the most on offense. Uh, They did before though, this is the world series. We made it this far. We get the swag. We get the gear. It's great to be here. Uh, It, it, you should have won this. My world series gear is coming in tomorrow, according to the tracking, which is like, Hmm. Just not what I want to get. Yeah. Mm. I was like, mm, they're going to be here for game seven. Great. And it's like, mm, I don't know. I'll still well, wear it. wouldn't probably. have been a go- game seven because Again. Justin Turner, you know, decided to get gritty with the COVID. There, I can't... there would have been a game seven, like in a couple and, weeks. Yeah. We would have had, bullpen <laughs> would have been fully rested and you had time to fix. Uh, it would have been, it would have been, it would have been everybody one time through. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but it, we, they talked about it on the broadcast too. You, how, how do you get this close when you have your entire lineup not hitting, your stable giving up runs all over the place, and your starting rotation giving up runs all over the place, except for Snell. Like, the, what are you supposed Rays to do The Rays have been playing with house money ever since Brosseau took Chapman deep. I, nothing from that home run makes sense if you look at box scores and mm. results. Uh, the, the, the Astros series, you know, Good. The race pulled it off and, and got what needed to. But again, house money the whole way through that. And then 
you know, getting up here against the Dodgers, it's really been nothing makes sense in the traditional sense uh, for why this team made it as far as they did, but they did. And they, they, they seize. And I think that's also part of why some of this stings because every time this team's been down and out, something improbable has happened to extend, to extend the journey, extend the season. And you just had to keep feeling like something was going to happen. You didn't know what it was. You didn't know where it was going to come from, but something was going to happen and, and give, but we just didn't get, you just didn't get it tonight. And, you know, again, tip your cap to the Dodgers who best team in, in baseball, you know, before the season started, the team you would have picked to win the world series the whole way through the season, the team you would pick to win the world series and the team that won the world series. The, I, I game one ended eight, three, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what I wanted for all these losses, man. <laughs> Give me a devastating like six run loss every time because well, this one to two run loss situation just. Do, Danny, on. I'll ask you this. How much? I'll ask you this, Danny. We thought the blueprint was Dodgers one three five, Rays two four six, game seven. Let's see what happens. Do you consider this as a game that the Dodgers stole? Um, yeah, absolutely. You, you convinced Kevin Cash to go get one of the best pitchers in baseball, having the best game of his life. You scared Kevin Cash into pulling a magical, you, you took the magic out of the game and you Mm. tricked the Rays into taking a bite of the apple when they shouldn't have. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, I I agree that they stole. That's my version of events. That's my personal version. I think that's valid. And the Dodgers were able to get the hits and the Rays weren't in game five. So that was the, that was the switch, right? That was the Dodgers. The Rays didn't steal game five when it was there for him, when Dave Roberts did the exact same move and the Dodgers did because the Dodgers have Mookie Betts and Corey Seager and Justin Turner for seven. And then, and then Cordy Bellinger and Max Muncy and the Rays have Randy Rosarena and a bunch of guys on his cape, just holding, holding on for dear life as Randy rockets this team. I mean, this is the thing. And you, also, you come back pulling G Man Choi. Why did we pull G Man? I know hit. that there was. Uh, Let him hit righty. Yeah. <laughs> Let him hit righty. Yeah, Gosh, it's when when you're. It's really tough to be close when you really shouldn't be, and that's what it is. Hmm. Huh. But oh, this was the second best team that, in baseball. So yes, Darby. Yes, this was this the was the second best yes. team in baseball. That is exactly and, right. And they they showed it, but it was also you kind of wish they could have been a little bit. They could have been more themselves. Right. This wasn't this wasn't who they were for most of the season, but they tried their best to to. If you, to if you get listen every to Ray's inch. radio, if you like to listen to Ray's radio, which you should do, I even do. if you're a TV broadcast person, occasionally. Pull up the Rays radio broadcast Get a little bit and, and enjoy Dave and Andy. I, I strongly encourage it. Um, even if you don't, Neil Solon's pre and post game, particularly post game, is worth your time. Um, they have a a uh, uh, a tendency, if you will, to when someone is underperforming, to just lose their minds. I love Dave and Andy. They uh, if if somebody's underperforming like a Brandon Lau in a situation where all of a sudden a breaking ball is, uh, is a unicorn that you've never seen before. And it just catches you off guard. Uh, they're losing their minds, right? Like this is not, 
uh, something that should boggle the mind of the regular season MVP. Uh, listening to their <laughs> interpretation of events uh, was too much for me to handle. I had to stop because they were so on point and they were so right to watch consistently one of the each of the great hitters on the team just disappear in the postseason just hurt so bad and uh, this was not the this was not the peak performance of this race team this was a struggling race team surviving in the world series against one of the greatest baseball teams of all time and you just wish it would all come together because the games were close i don't think you guys are giving enough the raise enough credit uh I don't think they were playing with House Bunny. I think they were the best team in the American League. And they deserve to represent the American League in the World Series. And you expect them to put up a fighting chance in the World Series. Just like you'd expect any team that gets there. And they did that. I know Game 4 had that magical feel to it at the end. But that was a really close, good baseball game. Brandon Lau still hit a, a three-run home run to give the team a 5-4 to four lead. Kevin Kiermaier still hit, stepped up and hit a game-tying home run. They did not luck into all of those moments. They earned those moments. This is, at the end of the day, a six-game series with multiple one- or two-run games. I don't know if any yeah, game... No, absolutely. The, the Rays were the best team in the American League. And, and when I say... But there's so many times that the best team doesn't win, right? Mm -hmm. You could be the best team and, 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 and lose a series, to your point. That's why there's seven-game series and five-game series and those other pieces. It's just as you look through the way that you would expect the Rays to win, I think that coming off of the you know 100 i forget exactly the speed of, of chapman's pitch and broso hitting it and then just all the raised defenders that the astros just kept hitting into during those first three games yeah. <laughs> it, so it's 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 not about looking into it or not having talent by I, by no stretch of the imagination it's just there were so many ways that this season could have ended before we got here. And I think that's really the, the point that I was trying to make is that getting here in and of itself, as talented as they are, was the expect, you know, you could reasonably expect that throughout the season, but then there were so many opportunities in the postseason for us not to get to this point today right. uh, to, to make it to game six of a world series. And, you know, you start again, the, if you went against the best, the best team with just a, a, a juggernaut of a lineup and, and it didn't fall your way you know, in six games. Mm -hmm. I, I still also want to say uh, that you've seen the project and you look at the win totals from 2016 on, it was like 64, then 80, then 90, then 96, and then two thirds of your wins in 2020, you win the American league pennant. You've come short in the world series. The project isn't over yet. You're seeing everything come together. And like I said, I think the rays are built to do this and compete for this every single year. So We've rambled on a lot, and I think we've said a lot of the same things multiple times because this is probably the toughest instant reaction podcast. This is the last one. The season's over. So uh, with that being said, uh, let's go around. Let's, let's, let's give our final thoughts and, and put a cap on a truly magical season. So who wants to go first? I, guess I can I should... go first. Go ahead, Danny. For the love of God, can the baseball world please remember Randy Arosa right now after this point? We discussed it, Brett, uh, when the the concern became, will the baseball world remember, Randy? Will you remember this great performance? We have to win the ALCS just so you can remember what Randy has done. And then to enter the World Series and for him to break all of the records for home runs, for total bases, 
for hits. Uh, the publications are now starting to compare not only to Jeter, but to Albert Pujols. <laughs> and he's rookie <laughs> eligible next season, right? And uh, also, for the love of God, let's not stir him. Uh, I think he's he's earned a regular season performance. But um, gosh, remember, Randy, when this is all said and done, we will I know the race lost. You. Sorry, don't copyright Remember, that. Randy. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have to pay those royalties. I only did two seconds. I think I can go up to three. All right, Jamal, <laughs> how are you feeling? Final thoughts. 2020, Game 6, World Series, it's all over. How are you feeling now? If, if you would have told me at the beginning that this is how it would end, I would gladly sign up for it. I think it's exciting to see Randy Rosarina and think about what the future holds for him in a raised uniform. It's exciting to see Blake Snell return back to what could be Cy Young, uh, you know, competitive form. There's a lot to be excited about and just going to hold on to those happy moments and not hold on to, you know, the downside. Mm. Darby. This season was amazing. This, this season is one of my favorites in Ray's history. It was so tumultuous, and yet it was so perfectly Ray'sy. This was a better playoff run that I will remember even more than 2008. 2008 will always have a special place in my heart, but this World Series, the way the Rays performed here, it was just, it's so much better. I don't really remember anything from 2008 World Series except for the water game, right? <laughs> I remember the ALCS. I think that one is still the best of all time. But this postseason, think about what they did. They, they they got the revenge game in game five against Garrett Cole and Araldis Chapman with an amazing home run to cap off that perfect narrative. They beat the Yankees in a five-game series. Then they went and faced the Astros. And then they beat them in a seven-game series after almost blowing it after all the narrative that the Rays were done, the momentum was over. Nope. They come out and big game. Charlie does an amazing job and he beats the Astros, the Rays with Randy Rosarena really coming out party, really emerging in, in the ALCS starting to shatter every record, or at least get the records right in their sight. And then to go into the world series against the very best team in baseball this year, one of the best teams ever assembled top to bottom, and to really give them a lot and to make them sweat and for Randy to not only get to those records, remember in game one, when everyone was talking about how maybe uh, the Dodgers had figured out Randy and he's not going to get a hit. Then he got an infield hit, and then he's basically hit a bunch of home runs and shattered every record. It was like, a, it was like they had a, a game that was okay, but no, Randy said it all. So for me, I'm going to remember so many things from this season. So many. And that is such a privilege. And yeah, it ends not the way we wanted it. And it ends not with the, the piece of metal, but the Rays won the most memorable game in this World Series, the one that's going to be replayed a bunch, game four. They won two amazing do or die, game seven, game fives. And they played 80 baseball games out of a statistically possible 82, if you count in each of the playoff series. So we got to play more baseball and see more raised baseball than any other team got to do. Mm-hmm. And to me, that makes me a very privileged fan. So yeah. yeah, it's disappointing right now. I'm going to be angry, 
but damn, I, I can't stop smiling. Yeah. I, so to agree with you, I know I shared my final point, but no, go ahead. <laughs> when I compare 2008 to 2020, 2008, you have a couple things you can hold on to. You got the characters. I mean, those players were larger than life. They will always loom large. But when you think about the mantras and things like that, it's like nine equals eight. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on. What did this year give us? The stable, Mm -hmm. the 98ers, the game five and the game seven, the game four. You are completely right, Darby. Three magical baseball moments that cannot be taken away from me heading into uh the alcs that game five where mike brasso got his revenge was one of the three greatest baseball games of all time and then we got a game seven and then we got the brett phillips game come on this is a very special year uh for i will again say a team that was underperforming gave a, a, a deservedly number one seed in the american league winning the American League pennant, underperformed, and took the Dodgers, one of the best baseball teams of all time, two six games out of seven. Uh, This is an honorable performance, one that we can be proud of. We are dissecting it because we care, and we got so close. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to – I'm kind of – I've said a lot on these podcasts over the last month, and so I'm going to keep my final thoughts pretty short. Um if the Rays had won the World Series, what the hell would we have talked about this offseason? This project is not over, and I'm excited, and this is a plug for D-Rays Bay, uh, that we get to take a look at the offseason going into 2021, what this roster is going to look like, because next year, Wander Franco's here, baby. Let's do it. Let's go win a World Series. So that's going to do it. For the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series, the final episode, World Series Game 6 Instant Reaction Podcast. So when we get back started with uh, our regular programming, if you want those episodes downloaded directly to your device, make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed. And make sure, as always, to head on over to DRaysBay.com, where you're going to see some great coverage of the offseason, free agency trades, fun stuff like the Rule 5 Draft. Um and see all the great work that everyone on our team puts up on that site. So once again, thank you guys for listening throughout the month of October. Uh, You guys killed it. A ton of people listened, and that's awesome. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you later. So what do we watch tomorrow night? The Masked Singer?